Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. The well, podcast. hello, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Bees Radio Network podcast, episode number 24. We are rolling very quickly up to Valentine's Day, and it's time for me to share yet another amount of time with my hockey love, it appears, this season. Mark, tell them, how are we this evening? Hello, lover. How are you? <laughs> yeah. like, it was almost like, hello, cocker that was there. I was getting very excited at my end there. It was almost a little bit of carry-on to start the, uh, to start the yeah. uh, show today. Um, How are you, Graham? Are you, I, are you well this week after a good game yesterday? I am As very, we are recording on a Monday. We are recording on a Monday. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. Giving that away are. again, haven't <laughs> I? <laughs> yeah, the, the illusions of radio have not made it past the Bees Radio Network yet. Um, I'm actually surprised my voice is in some sort of shape, if you've heard the end of uh, this week's highlights, because I do end up just being a croaky man. I, I went up and had nowhere to go. Um, I was hoping Ryan was going to bury the puck and make it easy for me. But uh, in the end, a little bit of a blockage, and it left me having to try and stumble out some remaining words of what was left of my voice, but all worth it in the end because a big victory over the Swindon Wildcats for the TSI World. Bracknell Bees last night by three goals to two. Followed up, actually, it has to be said, a very strong performance the night before against the Peterborough Phantoms, where the Bees found themselves on the end of yet another one of those one-goal games this season, but let's not get into that too much because the performance itself was outstanding. I think it was maybe the most complete 59 minutes that we've put together across the whole of the season. Uh, even when we slipped behind to that early goal, the guys battled back. We went 3-1 down with some uh, very light officiating uh, from particularly one official in indeed incurred the wrath on a Saturday night and maybe the same one did on Sunday as well um, because there were some uh, ludicrous calls, which we'll get into a little bit later on, I feel. But the, the bees pushed that aside came out in the third period and really I mean I, I read some nonsense and I really shouldn't read the dark bits of the internet but occasionally I do uh, and someone said oh the bees weren't really in the game go look at the stats from the uh, game if you will and look at the second period shots on Adam Goss were 11 in the second period shots on Jordan Marr were 18 and of those 18 there was probably six or seven guilt-head chances uh, which the bees did so well to put the pressure on the net. And I think the, the phantoms and the reaction of the phantoms fans tells you all you need to know that they had, they had a little bit of a shock up them uh, as they try and cling on to that third spot in the table, maybe a chance of sneaking up into second. But I think, I think they were very happy to be walking away from their rink on the night with, with the two points and the bees give them their full credit. The next night on Sunday night, a heck of a game against the wildcat, the second period, Probably one of the more, not quite their performances, but the sign of, you just look for those little inklings of a good team from time to time. And to me, the little inklings of a good team are when they can brush that aside and come back. And that's exactly what they did on Sunday. Ed and Dowdy's snipe to win the game, 3-2. Some resolute defence at the end, some outstanding net mining at times from Adam Goss really did make it a happy hive last night. It was. And, you know... There are times, perhaps earlier on in this season, where the frustration of losing on Saturday night would have boiled over onto Sunday and the Wildcats would have come in and they would have rode over us and they would have taken the points. No matter who it had been, it could have gone that way earlier in the season. But this time around, the Bees took the momentum from Saturday, despite the fact they had no points on Saturday. They just took the momentum and they played probably the best opening period that I have seen the Bees play this season because we've mentioned it a number of times now. There has been this sluggish start and all of a sudden within five, six minutes, you're 2-0 down and you're fighting back into the game. This time, 
totally different. 10 minutes played, 2-0 up. And that just shows what the Bees can do. And to bounce back from the heartbreak of the loss on Saturday night, to come out against one of the title contending teams and play the way they did last night, thumbs up to them. And I spoke yesterday after the game to Lee Richardson as well. And he said to me, I said, it's just so frustrating because, you know, we had a chance to close the gap on Telford and we didn't take it and we just couldn't find answers. And that's quite high praise, I think, because, you know, as I said earlier on in the season, that could easily have been the second loss of the weekend because the heads had dropped after a fantastic performance on Saturday, but an unrewarded performance. So happy, very happy with Sunday night's game. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's so much to get into from it, from the game, and we're obviously going to focus a little bit more on the Sunday game, but one of the big returns for the weekend for the Bees was Adam Goss. Um, delighted to see him back into a, to a state of fitness. Um, is he fully fit? I think he is fully fit, but let's... Let's, let's touch wood for right now that he's perfectly fine to go again this weekend because Saturday in Peterborough, a couple of early shocks, a couple of early goals that went in and I'm sure Adam in his head would probably want a couple of them back on Saturday. But then on Sunday night, supported by the defence around him, it has to be said, but times the bees collapsed back, allowed the Wildcats to take the shot. There was almost a backing of Adam in terms of, Adam, we know you're going to make the first save. Don't worry about it. We'll pick up the rebound on the second. Um, and it worked to perfection. And Adam, I think one of his best games of the season on home ice was man of the match. Deservedly so, it has to be said. Uh, there is a glove save in the second period that I still think Thomas Malazinski is running away and celebrating because it looked like it was going in all the way and Adam just got the tippy of the glove on it to flick it over the bar. And you know what? Maybe the injury did Adam the world of good at this stage in the season. I know that's almost a stupid thing to say, but I've gone on about it all year long. It's, it's, it's a hard year to learn to become a starter in senior ice hockey and Adam really finding his feet and maybe just a little bit of a mental break, which, which will come with the injury and maybe just an opportunity just to reset a few things means that come the running, Adam's going to be just building the form as he goes on. We know he's got the ability to win games. He proved it last night. Do you know what he does? And... Adam and the defence need to work together. And last night, I think we saw that, perhaps the best combination of Adam and his defence that we've seen. The, the defencemen have to have a close understanding with their goaltender. And there are pucks that the goaltender will want to play. There are pucks that he won't want to play. The defence need to know. Either go get it or keep out the way. And things like that, I thought we saw very well yesterday. One thing that I did think we saw very well is that Adam has uh, Adam's given up a few rebounds this year that have been buried. He's made some fantastic saves, and there's been somebody there to snap up the rebound. Yesterday, the defence did a very good job of keeping that area in front of the goal clear. Other than right at the very, very end, Aaron Nell is an expert, isn't he, at pulling the goalie and pulling back a goal at the end. And the Wildcats gave it their all last night in trying to do that. And right at the very end, they almost broke through. But Adam Goss pulled off a couple of big saves in that last minute or so to keep it uh, in favour of the Bees. But earlier on in the game, you know, when it was five on five, I thought the Bees defence did a very good job of partnering with Adam Goss to get the job done at the back. And if they can continue that partnership, then I think things are going to look good for the bees. Obviously, speaking of uh, net mining, Danny Milton didn't ice at the weekend, 
We wish him all the very best for his recovery as well. It's been a tough year for Danny with uh, injuries this year. So we wish him the very best for his recovery. And on the flip side, it's good to see Adam Goss hitting top form again yesterday, especially at the uh, towards the end of the second period. There was that one save he made, wasn't there? And you were thinking, oh, coming back from injury, coming back from injury, that's a risky move. But he was up uh, and he was right back at it and he had a, a good third period as well. So it's nice to see him back, firstly from injury and secondly in form. Yeah, and you, you, the thing is, it's two in from two against the Wildcats for the Bees. It's two games in a row while the Wildcats have pulled for an extra man at the end of the game and the Bees have held out last time, Dominic Goodbye scoring that empty netter, this time Ryan Webb coming very close to doing so. And I, we have to look back to that game in Swindon. Danny Milton was the netminder for that game. Danny turned in an outstanding performance last Saturday that saw the Bees pick up the win. And now, well, sorry, Saturday before last even, and then Adam Goss doing it this Sunday as well. So great work from them, and as you quite rightly point out there Mark uh, we do wish Danny all the best hopefully it's not too far away from recovery seemed in good spirits all weekend uh, stood alongside him in Peterborough as I was desperately trying to do the Twitter updates and certainly was uh, providing a additional insight to the game I think it's fair to say some of which we can't possibly put out on a Twitter account but was definitely <laughs> appreciated uh, one name I just want to mention very quickly I've been meaning to do this for like the last two three weeks and each show I'm like yeah we're running long on time we're running a little bit longer um, and it's a guy who I mentioned there and he, the one thing I've mentioned him for is something where he didn't manage to do something, which was Ryan, Ryan Webb, sorry, not being able to score that empty netter. But Ryan has been an absolute revelation, I think, over the last two, three weeks. Like, there's something about his style of play that I quite enjoy. Um, he does, a, he, he, I don't know whether it's guys around him are bringing it, I don't know whether he's grown confident. Um, I, I don't know if he's just settled himself and he's happy with where he is at the moment. But Ryan, over the last couple of weeks, he's been playing up and down the lines. But anywhere Doug has put him, he seems to be able to go out and do a job for him. He brings a lot of energy to the play. He brings actually quite an intensity to the play as well in the board battles. He's not afraid to get into the corners and battle. He's not afraid to also do the very simple thing in the defensive end. Like if he gets the puck and there's an opportunity just to clear it, he will just clip it out. He will just dump it out. It's those little pieces that, okay, as the season's gone along, you've seen these players grow personally, which... Maybe that's what this season is going to turn into. It's actually just a year of personal personal growth for a lot of these players. So that when we roll into next season, they're going to be even better players and the starting point is even higher for this team. Someone like Ryan, I think, over the last few weeks has been uh, just an, done an outstanding job for the Bees. Uh, and also another guy I want to mention as well who's really coming into form at the moment as well is Aidan Dowdy and probably delivering his best weekend of the season with two different styles of play. On Saturday in Peterborough, he was that intense guy. He's a unit on the ice. He's a big guy on the ice and he can use his physicality well and put teams under pressure, especially on the smaller ice pads like you get in Peterborough. And then the following night in Bracknell on home ice, it's a lovely snipe for that second goal over the glove. It's a lovely bit of work to get into the uh, crease to get the goal that put the, the Bees 2-0 up. But it's everything else as well. And you can kind of see that last season, him, Roman and Vanya had a little bit of chemistry and it sort of clicked together. And this season, it's not quite come together how they probably would have wanted it to. But I think right now you're just beginning to see those shoots of, of and, and, and almost that reimagining of their of their chemistry together. And I think if that partnership continues to get firing as the season rolls on, that's going to be a few more additional goals that could prove all the difference in this battle for a playoff spot. Do you know what? It could, because we've mentioned it, haven't we? The single goal games that have not gone in our favour. If Aidan Doughty can find form and find his scoring touch, there's the goals that we need 
to convert those single goal losses into single goal wins, into points, into a climb up the table. Going back to Ryan Webb, firstly, I've long been a fan of uh, Ryan Webb. He was a player that was signed to Slough right at the the demise of the uh, the EPL team back in uh, 2014. And that's going back six years ago now. And he was raw, but I was always a fan of him because I thought he's got a lot of potential, this guy. And it's nice to see him out there now fulfilling that potential because, as you rightly say, he will go in the corner and he will do battle. Aaron Nell is not a small man. Ryan Webb is a small man but he's not afraid to get stuck in there and he'll quite often come away with the puck. I mean, one of the, I guess, the craziest mismatches that we've seen this year is Ryan Webb going into a board battle with Petr Stepaniak, who is a huge yeah, yeah. unit. And yet Ryan Webb came away with the puck and he did it again at the weekend. Malasinski's not a small man. Nell is not a small man. Bebris is not a small man. And yet Webb will go in there and he will fight with everything he's got. And more often than not, he's coming away with the puck and also, as you say, he's doing the basic things right as well. He is he's a real team player that will do whatever is asked for him. Go in the corners and fight for the puck, I'll do it. Play defensively, good two-way game, I'll do it. He puts his hand up and he gets things done. And I like him. I genuinely do. And I hope that he is back in the black, white and gold next uh, season. Just on, that, also, just on that about Ryan quickly, yeah. one of the things that it would be an interesting stat that I may need to turn to someone and ask about is the number of offensive turnovers that he actually creates uh, behind the back of an opposition goal. The number of times you see the defence, he, he, he'll chip the puck in, chase it in, he'll go in and he'll go into battle behind the back of the net uh, where really the defence should be in the uh, the 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 strength the position of strength there and the number of times Ryan pops out of it and comes out in the crease and maybe just lays it off into the slot or just drops it off to someone else and then makes his way into the slot himself if only there was someone I knew who sort of does the stats on most games who would be able to find me that stat because I do think it's actually it's it's something that I notice a lot more from him than maybe other players is his ability to create turnovers in the offensive end and those are the most crucial of turnovers that can sometimes occur in a match. Sorry, I jumped in just for that point there. No, no, that, that that's another very valid point as well. And going back to Aiden as well, it's not been the, the follow-on season that he would have wanted because he did have a fantastic year last year. And that line that you mentioned, the Malenik, Doughty and Antonov line really clicked last year, put up a huge number of points for the Bees this year. Now, Vanya Antonov obviously uh, signed a two-way, but played the majority of his time in Streatham. And that did disrupt that chemistry. And maybe that's had a bit of an effect on Aiden, who was an outstanding player last year. And I think, you know, he's had a tougher start to this season than he would have hoped. But just this last couple of weekends, you've seen, like, you know, him just clicking into gear. And I think this weekend was finally the, you know, this weekend was the one where he has hit top gear or fifth gear or the grand tour or whatever, but he's hit top, uh, you know, you know, he's hit top form. And we saw, didn't we, a very well taken opening goal. He was there under huge pressure and buried that rebound for the opening goal. And his second goal as well, the game winning goal, equally as good from a different position. And we're seeing him hit form now as well. And if he does chip in with a point or two here and there, He's going to be turning those single goal losses into single goal wins 
And that is what is all important. It doesn't really matter if you win 10-0 or if you win 1-0. A win is a win. <laughs> and at this stage of the season, the Bees are needing to uh, rack those up because whilst they did have a fantastic performance on Saturday night and took the points from uh, Swindon on Saturday night, travelling over to the game with uh, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Of Thank course. you, Richard. Thank you. Uh, travelling over to the game, though, he said to me, and what do you reckon is going to happen in Romford? And I said, well, the Raiders will get the lead and then they'll lose in overtime because they always do to the Bison. Uh, but the Bison didn't come up with it yesterday. They lost 6-4, which means that whilst we didn't lose ground on the Raiders, annoyingly, we also didn't gain it as well. But it's not a disaster. It's three points. And how many games left are there with the Raiders? More than enough to turn around that three-point gap. It's almost like you're trying to see me up to do the table there. So let's go to the latest table from the... Uh, and now, <laughs> with the table, here's Graham. In one. No, we can't do a top of the pop sort of style of one there. We're, we're already getting in enough trouble. With I our... thought we were going to do bullseye then. Oh, bullseye. Oh, okay. Should we do it that in way? In one. In one is the Tigers. They've played 41 games with 61 points. Okay, you didn't do the and two. Do you see? In <laughs> two. In two, it's those Wildcats from Swindon. 41 games, 56 points. In three. In three, those Phantoms. The one victory for the weekend leaves them on 52 points after 41 games. In four. There's a change. At four, it's the Pirates. Two wins, 48 points, 39 games. Not off. In five. In five. It's a team from down the M3. <laughs> that was shorter than I thought. In six. Oh, I've got to try and tie this one up. Hang on. In six. It's the Steel Dogs of Sheffield. All the S's. 43 points. 40 games. In seven. A speedboat. No, uh, it's the Wilson <laughs> King's Lightning. <laughs> 40... look at what you could have won. <laughs> 41 games. 42 points. In eight. They're not from Romford. They're not from London. It's the Raiders. 40 games, 34 <laughs> points. In nine. The finest team in the land, in the black, white and gold. The TSI World, Bracknell Bees. 40 games, 31 points. And in ten. In ten. Last, but by no means least, Leeds. 37 games, 22 points. So that was a unique way. Of and you didn't it. even mention, did you, the bus fare home? Or Bully's special prize. No. Which was seeing Sam Bullis with a sad face on at the end of the game. That was Bully's special prize <laughs> yes. for everyone there. Oh, harsh from me, maybe. Well, there we are. If there's anybody still listening after our attempt at the table, hello. <laughs> Why does it feel like that might be the teaser this week that goes out on the... <laughs> Could be, couldn't it? <laughs> unique ways of doing these things uh, that was actually quite a good way of sort of uh, segueing that one because uh, we've, we've we've spoken about comical moments and now it's time to talk about the officials from last night um, oh, God, oh yes my links are getting very better um, for those of you who joined us on the Bees Radio Network thank you very much indeed as ever great uh, listening figures for that game especially those of you who stayed safely in from Storm Chiara and stayed away from all the challenges that uh, were being presented because uh for the fourth game in a row, the B at TSI World Bracknell Bees had the pleasure of Mr. Jarvie, and he was joined by Mr. Rose. And between the two of them, um, they served up a somewhat disappointing performance. And it's been a long time since I've heard officials skate out to booze at the John Knight Leisure Sport Complex. But the booze... There are two big issues that I have 
with last <laughs> there's night. Only, there's only two? <laughs> um, no, there are two big ones. There are other little ones as well. There are two big ones. Joe Baird, two plus ten, check from behind. On a shoulder-to-shoulder, side-to-side hit. Frustrating call. But if you're going to call that, fair enough, okay? You saw it as a check from behind. How then did you see exactly the same hit happen whilst Joe Baird is still sat out down in the corner and call nothing? Where is the consistency? Like Joe Baird's, I think, was one of the softest check from behinds that we'll see all season long. And that's fine if you call every single hit like that as a two plus 10. At least it's consistent, even if it's consistently soft. And the other one was the freezing of the puck. Now, last year, we got a little frustrated last year because this rule came in where if you can play the puck, you must play the puck. We're talking about netminders here, of course. If you can play the puck, you must play the puck. On three separate occasions within a five, six-minute spell of the game, Jordan Headley made a glove save and froze the puck. And on two of those occasions, the Bees player was just crossing the goal line, the, not the goal line, sorry, the blue line, into the offensive zone as he shot. Headley had more than enough time to play that puck. The other occasion was shot from outside the zone. Still, Headley froze the puck. Now, in the rules and interpretations, that is a delay of the game penalty. Now, I get that, you know, maybe he could have had a warning after the first one. Hey, listen, you can't do that. If you keep doing it, you will get caught for delay of the game. First one happened. I watched the officials. Nobody spoke to him. Second one happened. Watched the officials. Nobody spoke to him. Third one happened. Watched the officials. And nobody spoke to him. So if this is a rule then why is it not being enforced? So, I mean, my my, my two big issues are the consistency in the Joe Baird hit being a 2 plus 10 and the one down in the corner being an absolute no call at all and this freezing of the puck because it was a frustrating rule last season, but it's been around a while now. It is still a rule, but it just wasn't enforced in any way whatsoever last night. And, I mean, these weren't even marginal calls either. A player crossing the blue line is of no impending threat to the goaltender. Could have played it. A shot from outside the blue line is of no impending threat to the goaltender. Could have played it. And not just could have, should have as well. Yeah, and it's funny because if you actually look later in the game, there was an incident with Adam Goss where Adam the dump the puck was dumped in from a similar position. The Wildcats player was coming in. Adam kept his hand above the puck, then faked to cover up on the puck. Jarvi hit the whistle. But Adam kept the puck alive and played it, but in the end had to have a face-off right in front of him. So almost Adam was doing the right thing there in keeping the puck alive as long as possible. Referee Jarvie, who can be a little sharp on the whistle when it comes to pucks around the net, the number of times you see him having to hold his hands up with a, yeah, I got that one wrong, guys. Sorry, I didn't realise the puck. I couldn't see the puck. He's quite sharp on the whistle there, which maybe is something to do with positioning and maybe one of the, uh, the assessors might just want to pick that up with him. But you see the two differences there. If Adam, Adam at that moment could have had a face of snow, could have had a slash on the play, could have had whatever, but he's trying to play to the interpretation of the game of keeping the puck alive. At the other end of the ice, as you say, uh, I lost it. And it was actually one of the few times this season where I've dropped the microphone and hollered down at the officials because 
I thought it was a, I thought it was atrocious that he, he, it was allowed to be a get got away with three times. There wasn't even a warning. There wasn't even anything. And it was, we are talking about Puck dumped him, B's player on blue line when Puck is caught, and he still doesn't play it. It's like, well, he's got men around him. He needs to keep that puck alive. He can't just be freezing the puck there. And also, as you say, that check from behind. Now, the night before in Peterborough, there had to be two of the, just uh, there were bad calls both ways. But on uh, like the two that I really noticed from the bees players was one where Harvey Stead got called for a slash when he was playing the puck and the puck, his stick rose up and hit the other guy's stick and referee Jarvey called it a slash. And then at the other end, James Galazzi getting called for inter- uh, getting called for interference when the player he was hitting had the puck. Um, hmm. Just two baffling interpretations of the law. Um, the usual, uh, and it happens. And I understand over the course of the season, these these things are supposed to level themselves out. But as I say, like I know, I know booze is now allowed upstairs at the John Knight Leisure Sport Complex following the change in the ring license. But it's the first time I've heard booze throughout the whole rink. <laughs> uh, well, well, yeah, because very good. Yeah, I got there in the end. I, I, I because I think it, it was right, and I do I like also on the play where Joe Baird got the uh, sorry where the Wildcats player threw the check in the corner the next thing you see is a Wildcats player hauling down Dominic Dubai basically mounting him in some respects to impede him and no call get given and all of a sudden you see a hand shoot up and it's a bees player being called for abusive official from the bench and I personally at that moment I kind of agree you've seen in the space of maybe 20-25 seconds two very rogue calls go against your side and you're going to sense the frustration because it just feels like, oh, here we go. We're well, our guys serving a two plus 10 for a check to the side, which you've decided is a check from behind. Um, and yeah, the bees find themselves having to kill a five on three with a high stick. There should have been an opportunity to bring it back level. And um, ah, no. And I think I even made a comment along the lines of, oh, you can see it one way, but not the other. I know it's about angles. I know that these officials aren't trying to go out there and, and screw games up and be the storylines and be the headline writers of these things. But I just, I just did think it was maybe one of the more disappointing performances this season because I think Jarvie has grown as a referee as the season as he's gone on. Like He wasn't about really in the NHL last season. He's stepped up this year. And yeah, it's, it's a hard time for him to come in and learn and grow. Um, Matt Rose, uh, I had a chat with Doug at the end of the game, and it, like one of the things he said is Rose's communication to the benches is outstanding. Like he knows how to deal with coaches, he knows how to deal with players. Maybe, maybe it's just one of those things where it's just a bad night. We all have them. We have them on the Bees Radio Network. You have them when you go, in, as in people in general, when you go into work in the place. Sometimes it just it just doesn't click, and maybe that was just one of those nights last night. Well. You know what? I mean, we have had, haven't we, over the years, some very, very good communicators. Dave Cloutman, I think, is head and shoulders the best communicating ref with the players, with the benches. And I think Dave, one of the things that was always said about Dave is you generally get a low penalty minute game with Dave because he will step in and say something. And he will then, you know, players will pay attention because they respect him. Dave will say, cut it out. And that's it. It's done. There's no need for a penalty and the game can continue five on five. I think also Matt Thompson is a very good communicator. Matt, of course, is now doing mainly elite league games and, you know, good luck to him. Uh, Tim Pickett was another one who was quite a good communicator as well. 
Tim is now in the uh, the training realms of the uh, the referee section as well. And I think, I guess, one of the things for these officials who are coming up and filling the voids of Dave Cloutman, Roman Sooks, one we mentioned last night, Nigel Boniface um, and Tim Pickett, one of the things I guess that they are going to have to work on and develop is their communication skills as well, because it's not always necessary to blow the whistle. I mean, Clout's had a sharp tongue, didn't he, sometimes? Cut it out. And that was that. Players paid attention, they listened, and because of that, he didn't blow the whistle very often, unless it was absolutely needed. And I think, I guess that these uh, officials will learn that with experience. The more experience they get, the more they'll perhaps step out of their shell a little and actually be, you know, not afraid to step in and say to a player, cut that out next time you're getting called. Yeah. And perhaps that will then give a greater flow to the game as well and maybe a better explanation of what's actually going on to sometimes frustrated benches. Yeah, exactly. And it's all part of learning. It's all part of the curve. Um and it's all part of the growth that everybody has to go through. I talk about the personal growth for the players this season uh, that we may be seeing this season, and maybe this is just another year for the officials. Um, nicely brings us on to next season. Very briefly, there will be some big news coming out from the uh, TSI World Bratnell V's later this week. And now, and, big um, news coming. Maybe this is uh, maybe not a. Uh, Bully special prize, but maybe it's Doug's special prize to uh, all Bees fans. Uh, yep, there will be later in the week season ticket announcements for next season. We're going early this year on this, um, and hopefully uh, you'll uh, be wanting to believe in what the Bees are going to be doing next season. So it'll be a chance for you to secure your season tickets for next year going earlier and earlier and earlier because uh, we want to thank the fans for their great and loyal support this season. We know that uh, there have been some big attendances this year. We've had a record gate this season and last night as well, following all the great work of the community team and Buzz making his way out and around the Lexicon and various other places. There were hundreds of new fans rocking into the uh, John Knight Lesport Complex last night. And I, I said to... Uh, I said to Doug at the end of the game, I said, if that was your first ever game of ice hockey, you're probably walking out of that rink quite quite happy. And you're probably walking out of that rink quite delighted about the night, the experience you've had. You've seen your team to go 2-2 two, two up. It's pulled back to 2-2. Two, two. It's an ebbing and flowing game. You've seen a great goal to win it. You've seen top net mining at the other end. You pretty much had everything that game. Lots of excitement. Um, and I'm sure there'll be hopefully a lot of those fans coming back to the Hive in the next coming weeks as well with the doubles of Saturday games as well. So yeah, keep your eyes on the Bees website. There will be season ticket details out later this week. Um, and it's just going to be a case of whether you believe in us or not, really. Well, I think it's a great opportunity to secure your place as part of this uh, bees. I'm going to say community because I know you're going to absolutely shout at me if I say the F word, aren't you? No, we had we had. This well, in fact, either of them. For those, let's explain this to the uh, to our great loyal listeners. So those those who who weren't able to join us on the stream last night at the end of the game, I kind of uh, put my foot in it. Now there's there's a couple of banned words on the uh, Bees Radio Network, and uh, and in Mark and I's vernacular, I think it's fair to say um, both of them are F words, but not the one you're thinking of. Um, one of them is faithful and one of them is family. Um, <laughs> you don't have to guess which clubs those come from, but uh, both of those phrases are banned. Uh, and unfortunately, last night I did drop an F-bomb when I turned around. One did slip out. One did slip out when I described the bees faithful and I instantly had to stop talking. Uh, luckily, I didn't have to do any press-ups or any forfeits or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still not my... Uh, 
I mean, consistency is always my second favourite C word when it comes to officials. So, you know, it's the usual guy. I should have pulled that one out of the bag earlier on. But uh, um, yes, um, faithful family band words on the Beats Radio Network. Anyway, Mark, continue. Sorry. So, yes, get your ticket and come along and uh, support us. That's what I was trying to say. Like, you know, um, yeah, I think you're going to be amazed at the deals that we are putting out this year as well. I mean, these are great value deals. And as Graham alluded to earlier, this may very well turn out to be a year of personal development for these players that you have almost lived with them as well. And next year, they'll be benefiting from this year of personal development. And I would imagine that the bees are going to be a pretty strong force next year as well. And you can secure your seat, not now, obviously, but when they come out, you can be among the first to secure your seat as well for next season. Because I reckon next season will be even more exciting than this one. I do as well. Right then, there's a couple of little things we just need to roll through very quickly as to loyal fans of the Bees Radio Network, where we were talking about uh, last weekend the issues of penalty shots or overtime in uh, cup games, uh, and also the uh, what would you do with the league in terms of uh, how the points uh, are thrown out. It's worth noting the GB... Uh, Olympic qualifiers where GB unfortunately have dropped out I say unfortunately um, GB have <laughs> dropped out of the uh, the uh, Olympic qualifiers following defeat against Hungary in that final game they were using the 3-2-1 system uh, so going into the game it makes sense doesn't it, it does. where every game is worth the same number of points if you play the way the EIHA play some games are worth two and some are worth three and that to me makes no sense at all um, the only way to keep them at two is to do the ludicrous rule that we had a few years ago where you lose your point <laughs> should you then lose in overtime. Let's have a look at what you could have won. Uh, so you get your point at 60 minutes, then all of a sudden you lose and you're like, aha, we've lost our point. So three, two and one, I think is, um, I think that's common sense in terms of allocating because then every single game across the league table is worth the same total number of points and it does also give teams the added uh, impetus to go for the regulation time win. Because how often do you see teams when you are 1-1, 2-2, 3-3, whatever it is, you see teams like, all right, we'll sit back and we'll go for it in overtime. No, if you were to give an extra point, so the maximum you can get for an overtime win is two, you're dropping a point by therefore not going for the regulation time win. I think three, two, and one, great way forward. And hello, EIHA, if you are listening. Hashtag one, NIHL. Uh, yeah, and I completely agree with you. And I, I'm not, to be fair, if we put this into the league perspective right now, it wouldn't help us. The Raiders have won 14 in regulation and haven't won any in overtime. We have won 11 in regulation and three in overtime. So actually, that three point advantage will extend out by another uh, three points, actually, if that was the case in the league. But then it's a different game because all of a sudden, team the Raiders wouldn't be interested in taking those uh, six games they've lost in overtime uh, they'd be possibly pushing for regulation wins and they might end up conceding more same with the Bees the Bees have lost three in overtime this season uh, have won three as well but you might have seen those games convert into into regulation wins and I just I, I feel three two and one dear EIHA dear Ken Taggart dear all our friends at the IHA who put down your press releases about social media conduct and actually look at the league and actually work out what they want to do with this one and want to build this into. Because I do think three, two and one, 
it just makes sense. And I, I don't buy the argument of, oh, hockey's always been a 2-1-0 sport. Get with the time. Sports have to evolve. You look at cricket. They're long. We, how do we mention cricket on the podcast every week? But we get to it. Um, the cricket have launched the 100 well, this my year. Old thing. Yeah. <laughs> We're going back to the start of the podcast there. Uh, yes. <laughs> we, we, you, you've got the 100 that comes out. The innovations that happen in that sport. Football sees innovations with things like VAR. Um, Rugby Union obviously now has this more video refereeing in the game. You've looked at the XFL this weekend. <laughs> I've got an XFL reference in the podcast. Incredible. But the XFL have launched changes to try and combat concussion in American football. Ice hockey, get with the times. Maybe it's a chance to innovate. Maybe it's a chance to see something new. Maybe it's just going to make it more of an entertainment spectacle. As I said last week, we are an entertainment first. We are a sports second. We have a paying public that come into our building, whether they're believers and season ticket holders or whether they are just your average casual fan they are people who are coming out for a night's entertainment they need to be entertained can we make the game and the sport a more entertaining uh thing by having a three to one point structure yes absolutely and i think also it makes it easier to explain doesn't it as well because you try explaining to someone that's not an ice hockey fan as yet well, you know, yeah, last week's game had three points, but this week's only has two, despite the fact we won it in regulation time. It, it doesn't really make sense, does it? Whereas if you go three, two and one, it's easy. It's simple. And I think it would produce more entertaining hockey because more coaches and more players are going to want that point for the regulation win that you don't get if you go to overtime. More entertaining hockey, easier to explain, win-win situation. Uh, even if, as you say, it doesn't really benefit us much this year, it's irrelevant because that's not the system this year. And maybe, as you say, the Raiders and the Bees would both have had different approaches had it been a 3-2-1. and one. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Like, Obviously, there'll be details released, won't there, on the playing conditions for next season once this one is over. It would be nice if that was added in as well. But then we get back to, don't we, the other point of this discussion, yes. which is penalty shots in the knockout stages of the uh, the Cup, which you and I both disagreed with, and I guess the same at Coventry as well in the finals weekend as well, although you did then throw forward Doug's view on this, which also does carry weight because you're not really going to be very happy are you, if you're getting home from your game at like two in the morning and have to travel back to Coventry the next day. Logistically, there's things to work on, most definitely. But does the sport deserve the the drama of extending overtime as opposed to a team game being decided by individuals? I think the answer is yes. But based on what Doug has said as well, there is the logistics problem to overcome here as well. Because How are those splinters? You know, like you're really what? sitting on the fence here. <laughs> I am really sitting on the fence. I'm all for I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Go for it. Get rid of penalty <laughs> shots. I don't agree with them. I mean, right, if I was in charge of the EIHA, hello, Ken. Uh, if I was in charge of the uh, EIHA, we would have a 60-minute game with five minutes of overtime, and that would be the league. If it's still a draw, then it's a point each, and all of a sudden I've just ruined the three, two, and one yeah. by making some <laughs> games only worth two. So more logistical problems needed here. Have a point and a half each. Can you imagine the table then? Um, but certainly, 
Oh dear. We'll have to wait a moment for Graham to recompose just, after I've just ruined exactly what I've said. I'm just I'm just I'm um, just really glad that you've not said you want to become like ruler of the world or something like that. It's because this is gonna end horrendously your taxation system. I haven't got enough fake tan, have I? I've got enough fake tan or no hair. Um anyway, uh moving back though to what I was saying, when it gets to the uh, the cup, I think the players, the coaches, the fans all deserve a team finish to a team game. So go into overtime, stick 20 minutes up on the clock and go for it. Same at Coventry as well. And I I would go for it, but the the precursor to that, I guess, is that you would then have to have the earlier game much earlier in case that goes to extending overtime and does go deep. You would then also have to think about probably moving the Sunday game a little later in case the second game also goes deeper. So logistically, there are many, many challenges. But for me, certainly in the cup semi-finals, the cup final and the Coventry weekend, been off the penalty shots altogether. Unless there is an in-game penalty shot called, uh, then yeah, let that go. But in terms of deciding a result, let's just go to extending overtime. Let's sit down, let's work out the logistics and let's go for extending overtime. And I think there I'm off the fence, even if I have ruined my three, two and one. Yeah, it's okay. So I'm, I'm going to, uh, I, um, I've been thinking about this for a week um, and my solution, no drum roll. Uh, my solution is you do go to- Would you like a drum roll? No, I, I feel we can- Say it again, say it again, okay. hang on. Uh, drum roll. 20 minutes overtime followed by penalty shots. If after 20 minutes of OT, the game cannot be further decided by another goal, and I would find it highly unlikely that it's not going to happen. But if it did, then it goes to penalty shots. Compromise. Yeah. Feels like feels like you have to do a lot of that in life. Um, (laughs) How would you play your 20 minutes of overtime? Because five five minutes, three on three. Yeah, five on five. Is... You know, you know that's fair enough. But twenty minutes three on three would be exhausting for the players. Yeah, and um, and that's why I say. I so think, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I, I'd be thinking five on five, possibly to up the drama a little bit, four on four. But for me, I'd go five on five. I think what you do is you take a player off the ice every five. No, um, <laughs> 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 no, I would go uh, just twenty minutes five on. It's another extra period. It's a full overtime period. If there is still no goal in that period then you will go to penalty shots. Um, and I think that's fair enough. Like, I mean, those will straight away argue, well, if you can't score in 60 minutes, if you can't separate them in 60, how are you going to separate them in 80? It is golden goal as well in that overtime period. It's not a case of well, right. I think you can, can't you? Because then, you know, ice hockey is a very demanding sport physically and players have virtually given their all by 60 minutes. So then have to go out and do 65 and a penalty shot, that is testing them. But if you add on an extra 15 minutes of overtime, you're then going to get most likely either a very lucky goal or you're going to see the team that is fitter, stronger, and has greater stamina triumph because they will be able to outperform their opponents. So I think it's highly unlikely it would go beyond 80 minutes. Yep. I agree with you. So I think we're completely agreed on that somewhere, maybe down the line. 
Who knows? You still got to work on your point system. Like that's. I have, haven't it's I? The worst. Can you imagine the table with half points in it? <laughs> I'd love to see it though. <laughs> I'd love, yeah. I'd love to see the utter. Oh, we've got half a point tonight. I mean, to be fair, Peterborough. When <laughs> Peterborough, we all remember the days of Peterborough drawing games, and they never lost games. Yes, <laughs> it was a draw, despite the fact we didn't succeed in overtime. It was a draw. It was a draw, and we only got one point. So uh, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the penalty shots didn't matter much. Oh, you lost the point league by a title, didn't? You? you lost the title by a point. Didn't you? Yeah. Well, you must have lost that. Due to a draw, we did. We lost it by a draw. Um, yeah. Win, lose, or we're going down famous game shows. Win, lose, or draw coming up here. There you go. Um, wow. There you go. Remember that one, Danny Baker. God, there are yeah. some awful other presenters of that. Jeez, who asked Bob Mills? We could send Danny Baker out with our season tickets, couldn't we? With the doorstep challenge. Oh, the doorstep challenge. Has he got the Daz in his hand? Oh, there's <laughs> there. There's going to be kids who just don't understand this stuff, isn't there? Anybody probably under the age of 25. I mean, it was bad enough on, during the game on Saturday on Twitter when I sent out a reference to Hello, Hello, which was <laughs> one where I went, talk to your parents, then realised, no, might have to actually just talk to your grandparents about that one. Uh, Do you know what? It's funny when that happens, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> like, you know, you think, yeah, just ask your... No, I'll ask, ask your granny. <laughs> don't ask your mum. Ask your granny. Um, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm just imagining Daddy Baker now out with our, um, out with our season tickets. I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. Yeah. The, door, the, the doorstep track. Could... Well, he's not very busy at the moment, is he? Well, he's got his podcast with Gary Lineker. I mean, last time you said, you know what? He doesn't get much work. We found out Pat Sharp's making no, more money that than didn't ever. Work, so did <laughs> probably we're about to find Danny Baker's making more money than so ever. In the last three weeks. I was wrong on Pat Sharp. I've totally and utterly annihilated my three, two and one point system within five minutes of banging the drum about it. I've then annihilated it. And now I've probably got Danny Baker totally wrong as well. Oh dear. I should just be quiet and let you say something of intelligence. <laughs> When's that going to happen? That's not happened in 24 episodes so far, so I don't know quite what's going to go. Let's look forward to the... What is going on what here? What is going on here? It's off his face and chest as we will be taking on the Telford Tigers <laughs> this weekend in a double header. It's a switcheroo though. We're at home on Saturday with the B School Zone hopefully packing out the John Knight Leisure Sport Complex before we head up the road to... Oh, I've put myself in a hole here. Telford, what t- what county is Telford in? I know it's Reckon. Shropshire. Shropshire, that's the one. I was sat there going, it's in Scarboroughshire. Um, so the Tigers will be our opponents this weekend, top of the table, of course. But Is Paul Shuttleworth still there? Uh, I've not heard from Paul for a little while, sadly. Uh, I know Alan Gould's still no. knocking around. I know um, uh, Gold Judge favourite Telford Chris, uh, Chris Kelsall's still involved as well. So I'll be catching yeah. up with a couple of those guys, which will be nice. I've not been to Telford for a couple of years, so I'm looking forward to going back up there. Mm. It's it's a rink. It's a unique rink, I think it's fair to say. It's a rink. We'll leave it there. It's a rink. We'll leave it there. I've got new seating, haven't they? Got rid of the old uh, seating up the top there, which is a real shame. But there, there's some great old pictures from Telford down the years of uh, Reggie Clark Crawford climbing over the plexiglass to get in amongst the fans. I think there's even a picture of um, one of the referees getting involved with the fans over the plexi when they used to stand right up against it in Telford. Um, proper rink with history you do you do get a tingle up your spine when you go into some of these rinks and you see the old history of the story i still get it in bracknell from my memories as a child um and it does it does evoke warm memories but yes it's the tigers this weekend uh and it's gonna be i think all the eyes are gonna be on the ihr website for thursday and friday this week because 
Um, for those of you who haven't seen, uh, bench clearance alert up at uh, Shropshire this weekend as the Tigers and the Lightning got into it with both Lewis Clifford and Tommy Watkins getting tossed from the game. Uh, some other suspensions will also no doubt be handed out afterwards. So will be interesting to see quite what the Tigers lineup is for the game on Saturday at the Hive. Uh, the table toppers, they currently have a doing some math, 61 minus 56, carry the two at the four times the seven, maybe at one, just to know. Five points advantage over the Swindon Wildcats at the moment. So they'll be keen. Thank not- you, Rachel Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, uh, they'll be keen not to see that one drop away because uh, they'll be hoping that as much as the Wildcats uh, suffered a defeat to us, uh, they'll be hoping it's not a double header of defeats. And we've run the Tigers close in the two games this season. It was a very tightly contested game on home ice here at the uh, Hive. And on one of our double header weekends just before Christmas, we really gave the Tigers a fright on their home ice as well. Tommy Watkins full of praise for the Bees' performance that night. So time is ticking down in the season and maybe a couple of victories against the Tigers who did lose to the Chiefs this weekend could make it quite interesting well it certainly does make it very interesting because a couple of wins would be absolutely amazing for us in terms of our quest to get up and into that playoff spot and equally a couple of wins for us throws open the league running as well for Swindon most definitely Peterborough an outside chance but Swindon most definitely would be right back in with a chance if the Bees can play the way they did on Saturday. Now, obviously, the Bees picked up no major penalties at the weekend, so all being well, it'll be a full lineup missing, of course, Danny Milton. Uh, but in terms of the actual uh, out skaters, it's going to be a full lineup. For Telford, I doubt we're going to see, certainly on Saturday, the uh, the full lineup following the um, the... Much now publicised on Facebook bench clearance on uh, Sunday night as well against the Milton Keynes Lightning as well. And, a, and an apology tweeted as well today from uh, Tom Carlon over an errant action yesterday as he uh, left the ice as well. So obviously a lot of tension boiling over yes, uh, in uh, Telford at the weekend as well. And we will, as you say, keep an eye on the IHA website. The Tigers are a good team but how many of them are going to be available for selection this weekend? Is it a pride of tigers? It's a pride of lions. What is it of tigers? Is it a pack of tigers? Uh, I don't know. Shall I Google We're going to have to Google this, aren't we? This is, this is bad. This. This is, Shall I hey Siri? I'm sure, I'm sure right now um, there will be some of our listeners probably shouting at the screen right now, what is it? It's a, it's a, what is it, a pack of tigers? Hang on, hang on. I am, I am Googling as we speak now. Uh, a group of several tigers is called a streak or an ambush. I would never have got that in a million years. I wouldn't have got that either. A female tigress and her cubs qualify as a streak. Tigers in captivity forced to dwell together due to their habitat size restrictions are also called a streak. Tigers are usually described as solitary animals, but they are not asocial. There we are. Wow. Thank you so much, uh, Google. For helping us well, out. It, it dug us out of a hole there, and I would never... Know. What it has done is it's told us, obviously, lions do live in a pride, don't they? And tigers are, of course, commonly uh, don't really live together, do they? They're solitary. Oh, there you go. <laughs> every day's a school. We should have known that. Every, every day is a school day. Every day is a, a streak of a streak of tigers. Hello, Dave. A streak of tigers. It doesn't sound right. 
No. You know Dave's got his stopwatch running on this, don't you, to see how long we go. Oh, I know week. he has. I know he has. He's probably disappointed. The over-under was 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 well gone. Well gone into the over. Well, hopefully it's been a... I think that was one of our more insightful episodes. I'm sure there'll be some who will completely disagree with that. Uh, um, but yeah, no, it's certainly going to be a good weekend of action. So, Mark, how can fans keep up to all the date this weekend and going into it? Well, if you'd like to uh, look online, the website is bracknellbees.com. If you'd like to go on our Facebook or on our Twitter, they are Bees Ice Hockey. If you'd like to look on Instagram, then uh, that is The Bracknell Bees. Don't forget, if you're not already liking us on Facebook, go there, show us some love and click the like. If you're not following us on Twitter or Instagram, uh, next time you're on our Twitter page or our Instagram page, click the like button. And indeed, also, you can all, and of course, you can already catch the highlights from uh, well, of course. Uh, the game at the Hive. Those are already up. I'm just going to do a live number count right now. We're over 600 views and we have only been up less than two hours. So uh, great stuff for everybody there wanting to catch up from the highlight with the Hive. And of course, we will be there on Saturday. Or is this one of your weekends working well i don't know actually yet oh you don't know i don't know you don't know i don't know saturday games are always a fear with mark is he going to be there is he not i know i'm definitely not there on the 22nd oh. which is annoying because that's a raiders game as well isn't it that's annoying because obviously they love me on the <laughs> uh the stream um so yeah like that that's a little bit annoying i might have to just Record something and send it over to you that you can uh, play out just to say a big hello to the Raiders fans. I'll just voice track the show. It'll be fine. Um, we'll just we'll, uh, yeah, we'll well, put the yeah. we'll put the result out. Happens more than you. We'll know. put the result out there and hope no one notices. Um, <laughs> apart from the thousand odd people in the hive, uh, Mark, absolute pleasure as ever, buddy. Thank you, Graham, for your company, as always. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Always a pleasure, and it's always a pleasure to keep you up to date with all the latest. What are we going to play out with this week? Well, that's going to be the treat I'm going to find when I download the show. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Uh, For those of you who haven't noticed, we have been dropping in uh, some of the best radio DJ drops. I think it's... Nostalgia. It's sending a tingle up my spine hearing Pat Sharp and the lovely surprise of Gary Davies last week as well. That was yeah. You didn't know that was I coming. Didn't know did that you? was coming, but it warms my heart, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what we're going to get played out with this week here on the Beads Radio Network podcast. But from all of us here, thank you very much for your continued support. We really do appreciate it. We will see you very soon, if not on the stream on Saturday, then next week on the podcast. But until then, it's goodbye. <laughs> Radio Network. BracknellBees.com.